For Multnomah County District Attorney Mike Schmidt, there was no easing into the new gig, no honeymoon period. The prosecutor, elected in a landslide last May, was thrown right into the fire. I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with the Oregonian. Up next, reporter Noel Crombie. Crombie covers the criminal justice system for the Oregonian and Oregon Live and has worked at the paper since 1999. She talked about Schmidt's first six months on the job as one of the state's most prominent attorneys. We talked about his progressive policy proposals and how they fit into the national landscape, his relationship with the police bureau and with Portlanders pushing for criminal justice reform, how he's approached prosecuting protesters, and what other policy changes may be coming. We also touched on the remarkable instance where a police officer appears to have posted Schmidt's personal information online. Here's our conversation. Noel Crombie, thanks so much for taking time to talk today. Thanks for having me. So it can be tricky to do a political profile on someone just a few months into the job. Why do you want to write this story about DA Mike Schmidt right now? Well, you know, Mike Schmidt has played a a really high profile and central role in responding to the uh, arrests that have come out of Portland's um, protests. And, you know, he came onto the job ahead of schedule, right in the middle of of the heat of the protests. This was in in August uh, after uh, Rod Underhill announced he would be retiring early. And within days, Mike Schmidt uh, announced this policy on on how he would proceed with protest arrests, mm-hmm. and we we it was sort of time for us enough time had passed for us to really take a look at that policy and how uh, and its effects. A lot of us can't remember what happened nine months ago, let alone last May and the run up to the primary, the district attorney's race. So remind us, what did Mike Schmidt campaign on, and and who is he? He campaigned as a criminal justice reformer. He talked uh, about how he would take aim at racial disparities in the justice system. He'd prioritize addiction and mental health treatment over prisons. He would ensure that police who engage in brutality or misconduct would be held accountable. And he, he also pledged to review claims of wrongful convictions. Uh, he, he campaigned also on, you know, uh, reforming Measure 11, which is Oregon's longtime mandatory minimum sentencing law. He spent some time in the district attorney's office after graduating from Lewis and Clark Law School. And uh, from, from the DA's office, where he spent a few years, he went on to, to lead a, a small state agency called the Oregon Criminal Justice Commission, which serves as a kind of clearinghouse for criminal justice statistics and analysis. He ran against Ethan Knight, a longtime federal prosecutor in Portland, um, and he handily beat Mr. Knight. Uh, he captured 77% of the vote, which is really you know, a mandate for him uh, and, a, and a resounding endorsement for the things that he campaigned on. And those campaign priorities, Noel, um, you know, it's part of a broader movement, right? A national movement. Um, Mike Schmidt is just our version of that here in the the Portland area of the the so-called uh, progressive DA, right? 
That's right. He he is part of the progressive DA movement. Um, this is a, a a movement that really seeks to kind of remake the role of the prosecutor. Uh, these are positions with a tremendous amount of power in the criminal justice system, and he uh, and others um, who kind of share this reform minded mindset really aim to to change how that role works in the system. And he's a young guy too, right? In his thirties. Yeah, he's in his late 30s. Yep. And he has two two young young kids. Okay. So this young guy sweeps in um, and is handed the reins a bit early to uh, a very important job with a lot of power. Refresh our memory. What exactly did he say when he when he um, took over about how he would prosecute protesters and how has that played out since he uh, took over? Mike Schmidt said that he would generally not pursue what he calls public order crimes. Those are crimes like interfering with a police officer, disorderly conduct, Mm -hmm. criminal mischief. These are the most common offenses we saw coming out of uh, the protests in Portland. Um, He, um, you know, he maintains that uh, prosecuting those is not a good use of resources, uh, that those cases would likely end in dismissal, um, and that prosecuting those folks uh, who are accused of those crimes in his view, wouldn't really change the dynamic uh, of of the protesters, wouldn't change what we were seeing on, on the streets, wouldn't make a difference in his mind. Um, and so he said he would focus on property crimes and crimes against other people, um, crimes that involved you know, deliberate property damage, theft, force against other people, threats of force. So what can you tell us about the kinds of protest-related charges that police are referring to the DA's office. Well, the the crimes that we were seeing are 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 uh, for the most part um, tend to be low level crimes. They're misdemeanors. Um, the the crimes that I mentioned, uh, interfering, disorderly conduct, and criminal trespass. We saw those used widely by police in the protest context. And what they look like on the ground is you know a person who refuses to leave an area after the police have declared an unlawful assembly. And, mm-hmm. and given multiple orders to disperse, those people would be subject to interfering. Um, people who are blocking the street or fighting uh, could be, uh, you know, uh, arrested on disorderly conduct. People staying at a city park, for instance, after the police have closed it, would be subject to criminal trespass. Police viewed these as, as you know, important tools in their effort to, you know, control volatile, sometimes violent situations in protests. Okay, well, let's hear Mike Schmidt in his own words uh, in your interview talk about how he how he views the protests and uh, some of the charges that he uh, isn't inclined to pursue. They're there because they were saying and they wanted to be heard that our criminal justice system wasn't operating justly for everybody. There's also a real threat to chill speech when you're just doing mass arrests and wrapping up as many as people as you can. So we come out with this policy and we say, look, this is where we're drawing the line. If you're just there, you're not damaging anything, you're not lighting things on fire, you're not the person we're going to prosecute. There's no public safety value to prosecuting that person because a year and a half from now, when it actually goes to trial, even if we convicted you, what good did we do? Uh, You now have a criminal record for what? Uh, it's not like you're going to go on to graduate to rob banks. Uh, you're, you're there to have your voice heard. 
but that's different when you're talking about people who are smashing windows and lighting things on fire. If you're willing to cross the line into property damage, uh, then you are showing that uh, this is not just uh, a civic engagement of speech. And so that's where we're focusing our resources. Um, now, I think that message got twisted. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of the problem is. So, Noel, here, uh, the DA is clearly saying that, you know, there are effectively bigger fish to fry when it comes to marshalling the resources of his office. That's right. Um, and, and, you know, and he has said, you know, his office has rejected most cases that have come through, um, have come to them from police. Um, uh, but he says, you know, he is uh, he does plan to prosecute uh, property crimes. I, I should say that, you know, for the business community, uh, you know, those I spoke with who, you know, are in, in that community, they were not happy with the pace um, or, uh, you know, what they're seeing in terms of a response from his office when it comes to property crimes. They want a more aggressive response. Um, they want to see prosecutions when people do damage uh, to businesses. Mm-hmm. Mike Schmidt has has said to me that, you know, some these cases take time. Uh, he understands that the public wants a, um, you know, speedy resolution, but uh, prosecutions don't work that way. That even cases that he has, um, some cases that he's uh, rejected, uh, he's asked for follow-up. It doesn't mean that they're, you know, that they're dead, that they're dead cases, that they can come back. Um, and, and so I think there's some, you know, there's impatience and um, a, a real sense from some in the community that he should be acting more swiftly and aggressively. Your story highlighted some of the property damage that um, Mike Schmidt said is the kind of stuff he wants to pursue, um, specifically in maybe not some of the downtown core that national outlets um, have focused on, right? These are in neighborhood commercial districts like on Hawthorne, right? Yeah. I mean, there was extensive vandalism on Hawthorne on Thanksgiving. Uh, The president of the business association uh, in that community told me that 58 businesses saw, you know, vandalism, some broken windows, police did respond. They did make arrests. um, And, and the, you know the the business community wants to see those people prosecuted. Schmidt told me that those uh, that that incident in particular is exactly mm-hmm. the kind of case that his office is focusing on. He did say they are building a case um, against suspects in, in that instance. So how how is he viewed among the people pushing for criminal justice reforms? The people who you know really were in his corner in the lead up to the election, and how do they view his? Um, policies so far and how he's doing on the job? You know, those I spoke with are, you know, very supportive of his message, of his policies. Uh, They, they appreciate uh, his approach to, um, to the protest um, generally. Uh, I spoke with uh, Portland city commissioner, Joanne Hardesty, who has been a long time advocate for police reform and accountability. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, Schmidt is exactly who we elected and why we elected him. He is doing the thing, the very thing we promised he promised he would do uh, when he was running for DA. I think also from the criminal justice reform community, you know, there's widespread support for Mike, but also an impatience as well. They they want to see movement on big issues like Measure 11, and even see maybe this protest policy as a bit of a distraction from the bigger issues that he campaigned on. Noel, last week on this podcast, uh, I, I spoke with our colleague Shane Dixon-Kavanaugh, and he 
talked about Ted Wheeler and some of the issues he's had with public confrontations and threats. And, you know, that's also happened to other elected officials. Like you mentioned, Commissioner Hardesty, she's had death threats. People shot at her office. Um, And this is also, you know, happened to Mike Schmidt. Let's listen to him talk about uh, some experiences. We're uh, we're sitting behind a fence right now that didn't exist when I took over office. Um, I had neighbors. I had six neighbors come out, and we built this fence together on a on a warp speed to get it up, just to give uh, my family a little separation uh, from people who were showing up at our house. Uh, yeah, I mean, lots of threats, uh, things that that other elected leaders across the country and locally are facing now: death threats. Um, you know, we spent some time not staying at our house. Um, we spent time, uh, the sheriff uh, was very kind, uh, deployed some resources to sleep in front of our house, uh, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's challenging. Okay. So, that I mean, some of that comes with the job, but some, some of it is, you know, a little bit uh, beyond. And it seems like, obviously, he's in the hot seat. Yeah. You know, he described those experiences and said... Uh, experiences in you know that involve his family have been unnerving uh he you know spent some they spent some time you know not at their home they they uh, they had some additional security provided by the sheriff's office at one point he described it as a a pretty challenging situation just sort of personally uh he did um describe for me uh an incident where um a portland police officer apparently uh took a screenshot of um uh, a, a dispatch uh, log from his his or her patrol car and shared that publicly. This this screenshot included um, the district attorney's home address, um, and that was shared with a a, a website that uh, says it unapologetically supports those who hold the thin blue line. Uh, at some point after that, there was you know people who sh- you know there were people who. Sh- showed up at Mike's house. So, I mean, he described these as, as pretty unsettling experiences um, and, um, un, you know, uh, unfortunate ones. He said that the incident where he was doxxed is under investigation by the Portland Police Bureau. Yeah. And his, his address was reportedly posted on a, what, a Facebook group, right? That, that. Um... It was on a, yeah, sort of a law enforcement uh, w- website. Yeah, that's, that's, Unusual. That's not something that you see uh, happen very often, or at least uh, not something I can recollect. It's extraordinary. What's the normal relationship between, you know, police and uh, the district attorney's office? Yeah, I mean, uh, police investigate crimes. Those are then referred to the district attorney for prosecution. There's a, a, you know, a, a relationship between these two you know functions uh, generally speaking um and i think uh you know mike uh, schmidt spoke a little bit about uh you know you got off to the wrong foot on the wrong foot with uh, police uh, right out of the gate um he he said that he's had weekly meetings with the police chief and and um that that you know, is a working relationship, but he's, mm-hmm. he admitted, acknowledged that he has some work to do with the rank and file. And so I, I think that's that's a challenge for him. Well, let's take a break and come back and talk more with Noel Crombie. Okay, Noel, uh, I know it's early, but uh, does Mike Schmidt regret anything in terms of how he's approached his uh, job so far? You know, he spoke a little bit about uh, what he described as, you know, sort of missteps around messaging. And, um, and, and 
you know, he, he doesn't walk back what the message was, you know, how his priorities would, what his priorities would be in the protest context. But he, I think he wishes that perhaps he had, while stressing that he would protect, you know, free expression and protesters' rights to, you know, express themselves in, mm-hmm. in a protest context, I think he feels that he should have, you know, put on the same level that he would also not tolerate uh, property crimes, somehow that message got kind of lost or sidetracked. Um, and the narrative um, became that he, he, he was not prosecuting protest related um, uh, arrests. And, and we can see from the data that while he is not prosecuting most of them, he has prosecuted some. Yeah. Um, what do we know about, about the, the people that he has elected to pursue cases on? Well, we we know that, you know, to date, uh, his office has rejected about three quarters of the thousand plus arrests referred mm-hmm. to his office. Most of those, you know, were were low level, uh, were low level crimes. He is he has he is prosecuting um uh, you know, property crimes. He's prosecuted some arson. There's just, you know, a few arson um, arrests that have been made. He's prosecuting right. those. Um, uh, there, he's prosecuting crimes where there's assault. Um, but you know, the nearly a thousand arrests were fell under this public order um, sort of context, and those uh, those charges are not being pursued. Yeah, and um, you noted in your story. Uh- an example of that would be um, the journalist and activist Max Smith, who was arrested. He was just, he, he said he was just standing on the sidewalk and was caught in it, and um, that was ultimately dismissed. Yeah, I spoke with Max Smith, and and he said, "Look, you know, if you're out there and the, and the cops decide it's you, it's you." And uh, and he got arrested, but his case was was dismissed in August. Um, he. Uh, thinks that Schmidt's criteria for prosecuting people is uh, is the right one. He described it as very righteous. Okay, one thing that really jumped out to me from your profile was a thought that I've had in kind of watching uh, this guy uh, take on this new role. Is wow, this seems like a quite a job to just jump into um, in the midst of in the midst of everything um, that was happening nationally as well as locally. And um, you talked to some uh, fellow DAs who thought that, you know, maybe this wasn't the best thing to just throw the, the guy right into the fire, so to speak. Um, and that might've looked unkindly on his predecessor, Rod Underhill. Can you talk a little bit about that dynamic, how, and, and what Underhill told you in terms of why he decided to step down. Yeah, I reached out to um, John Hummel, who's the district attorney in Deschutes County in Central Oregon. Um, uh, Mr. Hummel is a, a like-minded uh, criminal justice reform-minded uh, prosecutor in Central Oregon, and a you know a, um, a a friend of of Mike's. And I reached out to him for just some a context uh, from outside of the region. And, and he said, you know, Schmidt came into an almost, you know, an impossible situation. Uh, He came in at at the, at the heat, uh, the, you know, at the very red hot moment of this historic time in, in Oregon. And he, you know, he didn't have a ramp, an on-ramp for that. Um, He didn't have the, the months that he thought he was going to have to build relationships or to, 
you know, spend time maybe with um, Rod Underhill, the longtime DA, to, to sort of get his feet under him. And, and, in, and in Hummel's mind, that was a disservice, not only to to Mike Schmidt, but to voters that this was according to Hummel. I asked uh, Rod Underhill about that. Um, he responded to me in an email and and said, you know, that uh, Mike Schmidt's del- election was decisive and that he decided to retire because he felt it was the right decision at that time for the community um, and uh, for the for the office and for the justice system generally. What does Mike Schmidt say about that? Was he, you know, he's obviously not going <laughs> to, he can't go back in time, but did he feel like he was ready? Uh, you know, I didn't ask him that question. I think, you know, when I spoke to him in the uh, days and weeks um, after the election, it was pretty clear that he was going to use the rest of last year to get up to speed, to, to be ready to hit the ground running in January. His his thoughts and his ideas and plans were all aimed sort of around a January start date. And so he, you know, taking the job on uh, suddenly sort of in, in August, he was sort of thrust into this position at the same time, uh, you know, he sought the job and won um, overwhelmingly and, um, you know, ended up getting it just a little earlier than planned. (laughs) Uh, we talked a little bit about some of his other policy priorities, but are, did he give you a, any glimpses to what might be coming in terms of changes or tweaks that he may seek to uh, to how the DA's office works here in Multnomah County? Well, I mean, I think he, he campaigned on big, you know, big ideas, big picture criminal justice issues. So I and one of those, as I've said here, is is Measure 11. And I think right. that Measure 11 is going to be a centerpiece of his administration, at least, you know, in the next in the coming months. Uh, he talked about that policy on the campaign. He told me he plans to be very engaged with the legislature uh, around uh, changing it. Uh, he also talked at length about something called uh, conviction integrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be clear, that work started under uh, Rod Underhill. The idea is to sort of re-examine convictions based perhaps on outdated, outdated science. Schmidt talked to me about how he wanted to expand that work. He gave an example of a case on his desk right now involving a man with a very old felony drug conviction who has mm-hmm. lived a crime-free life ever since. And yet that man has experienced obstacles related to, to that conviction. So the, the district attorney talked about, well, perhaps resentencing a case like that. Uh, and and uh, convicting him of perhaps a lower crime, a lesser offense, so he could go about his life without the kind of sort of collateral damage that comes with having a felony record. He also talked about uh, in the same sort of conviction integrity role, he talked about reexamining the value of of old uh, outstanding warrants for folks who've not been in contact with law enforcement for years. He questioned the value of having those. Um, I asked him about uh, police accountability, which was another thing that, you know, sort of an issue he campaigned on. And it's something that really resonated with voters during the campaign mm-hmm. in particular. Uh, I asked him about how uh, officer involved shootings, for instance, what, you know, how would his office change, um, how it reviewed them. And he, he said that it's something he plans to uh, take a look at, but he hasn't gotten to that issue yet. Um, he said he, he will, uh, and he plans to get input from police and the community about how uh, he might change the office's approach. And uh, obviously, Commissioner Hardesty's uh, ballot measure from last 
uh, November also will play a role in some form there in terms of police oversight. So uh, there's a lot of structural changes or uh, discussions happening at, at all levels. That's right. And I think that that gets back to your first question of, you know, why do this look uh, at um, Mike Schmidt now? And I, I think it's because he is uh, such a central figure um, in a really important and high profile role. Criminal justice reform is its topic A, both in Oregon and nationally, and he will be a very big uh, part in reforming the system. Well, thanks so much for your in-depth look at Mike Schmidt six months in and for taking time to talk about it. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. If you like this show, leave us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts or tell a friend. Help spread the word. The best way to support our journalism is through a subscription to Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.